This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, and verses 18 to 23. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. For the past month and a half, we've been walking through the series, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And just to reiterate what the series is about, um, it's about Jesus says a lot of things in Scripture that are oftentimes difficult to hear. Um, it's difficult, hard to understand. Uh, in that way, it's a hard saying. But it's also a lot of the difficult things that he says are, are it's like hard candy. It's like rock candy. You put it in your mouth. You can't just swallow it. It'll scrape your throat. Um, it'll, it'll choke on it, and um, you know, you'll throw it up you know, in many ways. Um, not to sound too crass, but um, <laughs> you have uh, hard candy needs to be dissolved. It needs to be, uh, you need to put it in your mouth. You need to kind of chew on it a little bit. You need to savor the richness of it before you really, really understand and see that it's good. You know, and, and that's what we're talking about. This is, these are the hard sayings of Jesus. And today, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this parable of the seeds that are scattered on four different types of soil. And um, <clears throat> he concludes uh, the parable and he says, He who has ears, let him hear. Later in verses 18 to 23, uh, it's printed in your bulletin as well, um, he explains the parable and he says, When, any, when anyone hears the word, you know, what he's saying here is that the seed is the word of God. And each of the four types of soil, there are four types of listeners. In other words, the kingdom of God, it comes by hearing. You get it, you receive it by hearing. So you have to be careful how you hear. You have to be careful what you're hearing. What is he saying here? Earthly leaders, they come by force. Jesus says, I don't come to you with force. I come with a voice. I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me. I want you to take in what I'm saying. In other words, your ability to listen is very critical. 
It's a different kind of listening. You know, last week we said that um, in the same chapter, we talked about how it's easy to overlook the kingdom of God. It's like a treasure that's hidden in a field. It's like the pearl of great price. It's very easy to overlook. We bypass it. Most people overlook the treasure that's in front of them, right under their noses, because we don't listen. That's what he's saying here. We don't listen. So there are three points today. It's all about listening, how we hear. Jesus' voice our ears, and how to hear clearly. Jesus' voice, our ears, and what it means to hear clearly. First, Jesus' voice. The story, this narrative, this parable, is about a sower who goes out, you know, a sower basically is a farmer who's basically scattering seeds in these different types of soils, and a seed particularly falls on four distinct, distinct types of soil, four different types of people. And in verses 18 to 19, Jesus explains it. He says, you know, hear the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. You know, the word of the God, the word of God. In other words, the secret to the kingdom of God is the word of God, the voice of Jesus. It's like a seed. The seed is small. You know, he says the kingdom of God is like a seed. Seeds are very small. Whereas something like a boulder is very, very large. A seed is very subtle, overlooked, comes very quietly, whereas a boulder does what? A boulder comes crashing. It's very, very loud, like a hurricane. Very, very loud. A seed comes by organic growth, whereas a boulder, it comes uh, with, with power, with smashing power, devastating power, external power. A seed transforms the internal environment, what's underneath. A boulder or a hurricane does what? It comes and transforms everything that's external, just uproots everything, just blows everything up, right? In other words, a seed comes through conversion. It changes things by conversion. Something like a boulder or a hurricane, it changes through subversion, through external change, through incredible power, through might, through strength. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying that the difference between the seed, you know, he says, I don't come to you, you know, by trying to subvert you. You know, I want to convert you. I want to shape you. I want to change everything that's internal, everything that's inside. This change is internal. He says, this, what's a seed? What's the very essence of a seed? In order for the power of a seed to really, really be manifest, it has to be buried deep. It has to be planted. It has to go down. You know, and when it goes deep, when it goes all the way down, when it penetrates very deeply, even the largest trees, even the largest trees, everything that a large tree needs for life is contained in that one little seed. God's voice, his word, tremendous power, but it comes by taking it in. You've got to take it in. It's got to go deep. A seed is very, very small. It can be very, very weak by itself. But inside the seed, there's tremendous power, immeasurable power actually contained in that one thing, immeasurable potential contained in one seed. You know, teenagers, they, they often come to me and they say, you know, Jesus, if he's really real, he should come to me, he should appear before me, he should do a miracle right now, then I'm going to believe. In other words, like John the Baptist, not an age, it's a very age-old, uh, you know, test. John the Baptist, in prison, you know, he's asking, you know, why am I suffering? You know, where is Jesus? Is he, is he really Jesus? Because if he's Jesus, if he is who he says he is, why am I suffering? Jesus here, he's saying, that's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not how I come. 
I don't come through power. I come through weakness. I don't come through subversion. I come through conversion. I don't come to you with a hammer. I come to you with an embrace. He said, I don't come to you with tremendous might and strength. I come actually by being vulnerable, by being beaten up, by being tortured, by becoming weak. That's the gospel. The seed is vulnerable, seemingly weak, but tremendous dynamic power inside. And it's, that's why it's so easy to overlook. You know, and that's the gospel. The kingdom comes in weakness. The king himself comes in weakness. He comes tortured. He comes destroyed. Why? So that true power would be unleashed. A seed is to fall to the ground, be buried deep, and split open, and then the power gets unleashed. If you plant that seed, it changes the entire field around it. If you plant a seed, it converts everything around. Dynamite, boulders, hurricanes, only changes. They can't do that. A hammer can't do that. It only changes the externals. In other words, what Jesus is saying is a person who, whose heart takes in the word and understands the word is going to change from the inside out. Dynamic power will be unleashed. Changes inside out. That's power. That's real power in his life. You know, what does it really mean to understand? You ever get into an argument with somebody? They say, you're not hearing me. You're not understanding me. What they're saying is, you know, we've been arguing. We've been at it for hours. But you're, you're not, you don't get what I'm saying. You don't understand. What, it means to, what does it mean to understand? It means to go under a person, to stand under the person and support them and lift them up. Jesus says, he who has ears, he who understands, that's power. Then they will have power. And if you think, you know, if I'm suffering, it means that God's not there, God is weak, then you don't get it. You know, where is God and all the brokenness in the world? You don't get it. You don't see it. You know, that's going to leave you complaining. It's going to leave you doubting. Jesus says, if you really see who I am, if you really get who I am, you know, if the gospel is heard, if it's taken in, if you understand it, he's the one, if you really see that I, you know, the way that power gets unleashed is by, by me becoming weak, don't look for me to be strong. You have to look for me in the weakness. You have to look for me in the brokenness. You have to, that's how you're going to experience power. Do you hear his voice? Do you get who Jesus is? Do you get who he is? Because if you do, you have tremendous potential tremendous options, tremendous freedom that's available to you. That's the first point. Jesus' voice. Do you hear it? Do you get it? The second, vo- the second point is, what's our problem? Our problem is our ears. What Jesus is really saying is, you know, you have to be careful how you hear. Every one of us has heard the word multiple times at some point in our lives inside a church, but the thing is, we don't get it. He's saying the problem is our ears. You know, what Jesus is really saying is, it's very, very important you know, every week is an opportunity for us to rehear the gospel. And we have to be very, very careful because if you come in with assumptions about the gospel, that is the, that's how you miss it. That's exactly how you miss it. And so he says, take heed how you hear the words. The parable here shows us how, you know, we're going to go into the parable now, how the gospel is often taken in. And Jesus gives us four case studies. You know, he explains why so many people take it in but don't get it. He explains why so many people hear the word every week, but they never really, you don't see the, the power in their lives. They live very, very power, powerless lives. And so Jesus here gives us a secret as to why they've been living powerlessly and also how then we can have power in our lives. The first soil, I'm going to read with us. Verse 4, he says, 
And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And he explains this in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. He scatters, you know, uh, the farmer comes and scatters these seeds along the path, and then the birds just come basically and snatch it away. He says, this person is a hard heart. This type of soil, hard. It's the path. It's very, very hard. It's a person to whom the gospel appeals. The gospel is appealing to you, but only to your intellect. In other words, it doesn't penetrate. It doesn't go deep. It's only a theory. It's only just another ideology. It's just another philosophy, a way to help you to improve. That's basically what it boils down to. You have contact with the word. You share about the word. It's very interesting thing to you, but it never impacts you. It never shapes you. It doesn't change you. Have you ever experienced the dynamic power of the gospel? You know, have you ever come to a personal power, the personal power of the Christian reality? How do you know that? How do you know that you've come to this power? It's because at some point in your life, the gospel becomes more than just a series of beliefs. It shapes your reality. It shapes your views. It actually becomes your reality. You know, <clears throat> is the gospel just mere knowledge to you, a, a mere way to help you to improve? You know, or is it the power by which you've changed? That's how you know. On one hand, and this is how you know, on one hand, the gospel has threatened you. It's, you think it's going to rob you of your joy. It's, you think, you know, you've looked all your life. You know, it's threatened my joy, threatened my options, threatened my freedom, you know, threatened my wants in life. When at some point, a change happens and you realize it's compelled you to run to the gospel because you realize it's the only way that your options can increase, the only way that your joy can increase, the only way that your freedom can increase, the only way that your potential can increase. You know, if you haven't experienced that, then you're hard. You're rock solid. You're just a path. The second path, the second seed, he says in verses 5 to 6, other seeds fell along the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they have no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And he explains this in verses 20 to 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Jesus is saying here, beware of the shallow heart. First, you have the hard heart. This is the shallow heart. In other words, the gospel has moved you at some point in time. It continues to move you, but it doesn't transform you. You, know, you feel it here and there, but it doesn't change you. It doesn't shape you. It doesn't shape how you, move, as you, how you spend your money. It doesn't shape how you deal with things relationally. It doesn't shape you know, um, your anger issues. It hasn't shaped you. It hasn't changed you. You know, and uh, as a result, this is because on shallow ground, you have no roots. That's the whole, you know, shallow ground, you know, the seed goes in. It actually does penetrate a little bit, but there are no roots. So what happens? The heat comes. And when the sun comes down, and this is, he's talking in the context of the Middle East, where the sun is scorching, it's incredibly hot, it kills it. As soon as trouble or suffering, especially persecution comes in your life, 
you know, because you have no roots, you turn your back. You have a shallow heart. You ignore. You forget. The Bible calls us to remember. It's easy to forget. And so everything else gets put on the back burner. You know, this is particularly, uh, you, you see this particularly in people who come to church with agendas. People who come to church with agendas, it's, you know, it's very easy to come to God and say, I need your help. I want to become a better person. I need to improve my life. But if you're not coming to Jesus as your king, if you don't see Jesus as king, then you're going to actually be the king. You're going to come to Jesus with demands. You're going to come to Jesus with an agenda. And you're coming with something else as your king. And you know what suffering is? Suffering is when those things, those demands have not been met. That's what your suffering is. You have certain wants, certain hopes, and those hopes run very, very deep. And if the gospel doesn't go as deep, then you're still coming to God, you know, not as king. You're coming to God with something else. That thing becomes your king. Take a cup. In this cup, I pour a glass of water. And then imagine a fist hitting that cup and the cup falls to the ground and all this water spills out. The classical way of understanding that picture is what? When I ask what happened here, most of us will say, well, your fist hit the cup. Your fist is to blame and the cup toppled over and all this water spilled out. But in reality, what, you know, you're, we're overlooking the most foundational truth in this is that the whole reason why water spilled out of the cup was because water was in the cup in the first place. If there was orange juice in the cup, orange juice would have spilled out. If there were rocks in the cup, rocks would have spilled out. The fist merely reveals what's in the cup. Our heat, our trials, our suffering is a way, God uses these things in a very, very personal way. You know it's personal because you feel it and only you feel it. Everyone suffers alone. Our suffering, you know, is very, very personal and very, very real. No one understands that more than God. God lost his own son. You want to talk about suffering? God lost his own son. The father, the cosmic father, lost his most beloved treasure. So nobody understands suffering more than God himself. And yet, in our suffering, what does it reveal? Now, it's very, very difficult. I don't want to diminish the suffering that any of us have experienced Our suffering, over time, if you're processing it well, you realize what's in the cup, the things that you've held deep, the things that you've treasured more than God. And God is revealing himself to be king. We come to God not necessarily as king. We come to God as a help. Help me, what? To get those things that I want most. Help me to get that salary. Help me to get, you know, we become most religious when we need something very, very urgently. God says, I am king. Our heat is a way of experiencing, you know, real time, you know, a mirror that shows us what's in the cup, what things are, the agenda, what's hidden deep inside. And, uh, you know, heat is the fastest, it's like a highway to reveal the lesser kings in our lives. You know, the takeover of the throne that's in our heart. It's sitting on the throne of our heart. And God, it comes... And he's revealing these things, revealing our kings, revealing our agendas. So the gospel's moving. It's very, very moving to us. But this shallow heart is not convicted of the deep-rooted sin that sits in their hearts, the deep-rooted idols that are in their hearts, the deep-rooted kings that are sitting on the thrones of their hearts. And as a result, they're, they're moved, but not convicted. They're, they're touched. They feel certain things, but they're not going to change. You feel a little bit better when you hear the words of the gospel, but you're not cured. 
You're not repenting of the deep idols, the self-saving attitudes that we have, the, pers- you know, the, the, the many times that we're self-absorbed and we're, and we're trying to preserve ourselves. That's what the gospel is trying to do in our lives. That's the second heart. That's the second seed. That's the second type of soil. Third is verse 7. Uh, Jesus says, you know, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. So you have the hard heart, you have the shallow heart, and now you have this seed that's been thrown on, the, on a, an area where the seed actually goes down deep, but it's choked up when something springs up. It's choked by the thorns and the weeds that are around them. And he explains this in verse 22. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word chokes the word and it proves unfaithful. What is he saying here? This is the duplicitous heart. This is the divided heart. This one's scary. And I'm going to tell you why it's scary. You see, it's easy to see that the first two types of seeds, they're not Christians. You know, they've kind of dabbled with Christianity a little bit. They've dabbled, they've, you know, touched a little bit. They feel pretty good once in a while. But they're not Christians. It's easy to see that. But it's hard to see the third one. It springs up. This third one springs up. And it's very, very committed to Christ. It really genuinely loves Jesus. But there's no change. Why? Because there's no power. And you see this. The text says the cares of the the world, the deceitfulness of riches, these worldly things that we see, that we're exposed to every day, it chokes the word. You know, it chokes what you hear. Your ears become closed. And as a result, there's no fruit. That's what happens. You know what this person is? This person is the one that's driven by anxiety. This person is the one that's driven by doubt. It's not, you know, it's not a sin to doubt. But when you're driven by doubt, where does it take you? This is the person who forgets, ignores, because all the troubles, all the trials, all the worries are so overwhelming that they walk away and depart from everything that they've heard. They forget everything that they've heard. You're committed to Christ, and you actually even see your sin, but you're not surrendering your sin. So you're driven by guilt. And you're constantly trying to work your way back. You still feel like you need to work your way back. So when you're not involved at church, you feel dead. And when you're not seen by people, you know, as a way of saying, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way back. I'm working my way back. You know, approve of me. Take me in. You feel dead. This is the person who's committed to Christ, but they're still trying to win the love of other people. You know, it could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be your spouse. It could be just someone that you're in love with. You know, and you so desperately want their attention and want their love and you want to be visible and you're clutching onto this and you're clinging to them. It could be your boss. It could, you could be in love with a salary and you so desperately want that. Why? Because that is the way that you're going to feel worthy. If you achieve that, if you arrive, then you know you're worthy. Then you know. That's, that's going to produce tremendous anxiety in your life. Every one of us, why do we, why do we worry? And why does Jesus tell us not to worry? Do you think he's saying something very, very trite? He's saying what you're doing is he says the weeds, the thorns are choking you. It's overwhelming you. Now, that's what he's saying. You're committed to Christ, but you're trying to win the love of other people. And the way you do it, think about the way we often do this. You know, you want to win them through your good looks, through your personality, through your humor, you know, um, through wealth, through success. This is the way, through your pedigree, this is the way that I can get in. The reason why we do that in a worldly level, in a worldly scale, the reason why we so desperately want other people's love is because it's a cosmic thing. There's a spiritual void. We're still trying to earn the Father's love. We still think that that's the way he'll love us. 
we still think that that's the way back into the kingdom because we all ultimately want that. These are spiritual things. And so other things are constantly crowding Christ out, you know, constantly choking Christ out. And you're overwhelmed and Christ gets ignored. And as a result, no one's life around you is being changed. No one's, you know, they see you as a very anxious person, overbearing. You know, oftentimes uh, they'll be judged by you. There's no power in your life. That's what's happening. Through this parable, these three seeds, three of the four seeds, Jesus is saying, what do you need to do? You need to let the gospel soften you if you're a hard heart. You need the gospel to go deeper if you're a shallow heart. You need the gospel to bring courage to you if you're a divided heart, if you're duplicitous in your life. He says, I want you to be fertile ground, to receive and to hear. I want you to be deep. I want you to be integrated. What's the opposite of integrated? Disintegrated. Fall apart. So the worries of the world just completely empower you and you just beaten up and you fall apart. He says, I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to be integrated. I want the word to come in, to penetrate deeply, and integrate into your life, integrate into all parts of your soul. That's what I want. He says, I want the gospel to get beyond your mind, to get beyond your emotions, to get even beyond your will. If you isolate every single one of those individually, some of you are just mind people, then you're a hard heart. Some of you are just emotional people, then you're just a shallow heart. And some of you are just, it's just all about determination and will. You're still religious, you see that? You're still trying to make your way in. The gospel hasn't penetrated deeply. It hasn't integrated into your life. He says, I want you to be all of those things. Let the gospel go where all the loves in your life, the other loves in your life, are driven away and take second place. That's what he wants. How do you do that? You know, if the first point is Jesus' voice, yet the problem is our ears and how we hear, we're, we, we don't hear well because we're constantly being choked out. All the, the love, the Christ as the love of our life is being choked out. Then how do you hear? How does the love of God go deep? How do you hear more clearly? What do you do? If you really want to know how, you know, I'll tell you what you can't do. If I were to tell you today, you know, the soil's job, this is true, the soil's job is not to rid your life of the birds. It's not to rid your life of the rocks in your life. It's not to rid your life of the thorns in your life, right? Three types of soil, right? You have the birds that snatch away. You have the rocky ground. You have the thorns that are choking out the anxieties of the person. The, the, the gospel's job, God's job is not to take away the birds, to take away the rocks, to take away the thorns so that you'll be in a better place. That's not the job of the farmer in many ways. You know, at least here in this story, that's not what we see. If I were to tell you, you need to just seek the Father, you need to seek the farmer, you know, to rid yourself of these things, give your life to the gardener, let's pray. You know, when you know what you're going to do, you're going to walk away, you're going to feel charged, you're going to feel, I could do that in a very emotional way, very motivating way, and everyone's going to walk away and say, yes, that's what I need to do. I need to pray harder, I need to start doing my quiet times again, open the Bible every morning, I need to do that. You know, that's how you, the seed goes in, so I need to hear more. It's all true, and it's all good, but if that's what you walk away with, and I give you about 10 minutes before the bitterness sets in and the doubt and the anxieties will set in and choke your life. That's, I can promise you that. If that's all it is, it's no different than going back to Judaism, going back to Islam, you know, the five pillars or the, or the, uh, the eightfold path. 
Because those are all ways to get back into the acceptance of God through works. If all you do is walk away and say, gosh, I realized, you know, from this, I just need to pray harder, you know, then you don't get it. You don't understand. How does the gospel soften our hearts in a way that we can hear well? How does the love of God actually go deep? How do you hear more clearly? You've got to look at the fourth soil. I'm going to read very quickly. Verse 8. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Notice the emphasis is not on how much it's producing. It's the emphasis is it's good soil. It's the one who understands, the one who hears. I'm going to read the interpretation, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. This is the person who hears the word, takes it in. It's difficult. They're chewing on it. They're digesting it. When you eat something, you know, it doesn't just come in and just go out and all of a sudden you feel nourished. It's got to get digested. There's a tremendous amount of power that goes in. And and all this dynamic activity is taking place in your life. All these metabolic cycles are taking place and all the nutrients are being absorbed. And that's how you experience the richness and the fullness of what you've taken in. Tremendous dynamism. And that's how power happens then in your life. It powers your day. That's what's happening. This fourth soil is this fertile ground. That's the deeply penetrating voice of God that's taken in. We all want that. It's not enough to just know that God became weak. That's not what's going to change you. It's not enough to just know that the powerful became powerless. That's not what's going to change you. You have to know. It's got to become personal. You have to know that he did it for you. In John chapter 12, Jesus, who stayed outside of Jerusalem most of his ministry, now enters into Jerusalem. And it's Palm Sunday. That's John chapter 12. It's Palm Sunday. He's being hailed as king. Everyone around him is praising him. He's being glorified as king. But then he says, I'm going to read. This is what he says. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, a seed, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If it splits open, now you're going to see the power. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, I am that seed. I am the seed. And in order for the seed to deeply penetrate and enrich everything around, it has to split open. It needs to go down. It needs to fall. It needs to die. It needs to be buried. It needs to go deep. My kingdom is not going to flourish, you know, through my strength, but through my weakness. It's not going to flourish by smashing the world to pieces, smashing the world like a hammer into submission, but but by being smashed by the world. And he did this for the salvation of our souls. That's the fruit. The fruit is the salvation of his people. Now, how does this happen? If you have hardness in your life today, if you're, you know, you say, I think I'm that hard heart. Jesus on the cross cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, here's God, the Father, looking at his son, and he's being tortured, and he's being beaten, and his life is just quickly ebbing away into death. And he's under the deepest pain. And in that moment, God, his heart, becomes hard towards his son. And Jesus crying out, he's saying, you have become hardened to me. 
you've forsaken me. In my greatest hour and moment of need, you have become hard towards me. You've forsaken me. And yet, Jesus remains soft. Do you know that he was literally reciting Psalm 22? If you look at the, the course of Psalm 22, there are three things that the psalmist says in Psalm 22 that's very, very reminiscent of what Jesus says. He says, my God, my God, verse 1, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he says, I am thirsty. Then he says, it is finished. Psalm 22, the literal meaning in that. Three diffi- th- what do you think Jesus is doing on the cross? He's doing his quiet time. God has turned his face from him, and yet Jesus continues. He remains soft, and he did that for you. If you have a hard heart, Jesus remains soft, knowing that you will endure excruciating times of hardness in your life. Jesus remains soft to complete the work for you. That's what's going to soften the hard heart in the first soil. You have heat in your life. You've forgotten about God in the moments of heat, in the moments of suffering, because you feel like you've had shallow ground, a shallow heart. Jesus, he took the heat. He not only took the worldly heat, you know, he said the nails, the whips, you know, the spitting, the crown of thorns, I can, I can endure that. But I endured the greatest, the most, the, the, the excruciating cosmic suffering of God forsaking me, my father forsaking me. He says, I can deal with the persecution of the people around me, yet I can be, you know, he remained faithful. Even though God himself turned his face away from him, he remained faithful. He reveals character. Look at Jesus' character. Look at his faithfulness. Look at his obedience. Look at his grace. Look at his compassion. Look at his love for the Father, his complete obedience to the very Father who would turn his back on him. And why did he do that? He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for us. He remained tremendously faithful. Even when God rejected him, what did he do? He said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I trust you. You rejected me, and yet I trust you. That's deep. You've got to have tremendously deep roots. He says, come what may, I will be steadfast. That's faithfulness. Knowing that there will be times when we will be so unfaithful. Look at his disciples. In that moment, all of them scattered like seeds. And yet Jesus remains utterly faithful to them utterly faithful to them, utterly forgiving. That's Jesus. You have thorns in your life. You feel choked by your anxieties. You feel choked by your worries and your doubts. Jesus, on the cross, he's got the thorns, a crown of thorns. He's enduring. And do you know that on the cross, you know, when you're crucified on the cross, you're actually dying, not necessarily from the, from the pain. There's two things, blood loss, and as a result, you're choking because of the way you're slumped over on the cross. He's asphyxiating. He's suffocating. He's choking. You know, on the cross, as God has turned away, he says, and not only that, you know, in Gethsemane, you know, as he's praying the night before, he's in Gethsemane, and he he says, my soul is troubled to the point of death. You know, you know what he's saying? I'm thinking about what's about to happen to me, that my greatest treasure, my greatest love, my father will turn his back from me tomorrow. He says, and I'm overwhelmed. My soul is troubled. He says, I'm choking. Jesus on the cross, choking for his people. He did that for us. You have rocks in your life? Jesus was buried behind one. You have thorns in your life? Jesus bore them on the cross for you. Jesus, the most fertile soil that we could ever see, the most perfect person, the most obedient son that we could ever see, always delighting in Christ, in the Lord. 
and yet he became the other three soils so that we could become fertile. So when we hear the word, our lives can change. That the spirit could actually enter in and penetrate deeply into our lives. Let that open your heart to the gospel. Praying hard, praying harder, good things, but by themselves, insufficient. Reading the Bible, great things. Doing your quiet time, great things, but alone, insufficient. You have to have a heart that's open to see the gospel being reenacted in your life over and over and over. You have to see that. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? That's going to open your heart. That's what's going to allow these words to go deep. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be choked by anxiety. You're going to be rigid in the hardness of your life. Or when the heat of your troubles come upon you, it's going to make you forget. We have to let the lie of I have to try harder in my life. We have to get rid of that. That's religion. Religion is going to result in anxiety. You're going to become, because you're never going to know where you stand with God. You're always going to be insecure about where you stand with God. You know, a lot of us are saying, you know, I got to do whatever it takes. You know, I got to work hard, you know, possibly, you know, sacrifice my body in, to other people or, you know, in my work. I got to lie about my, my, who I am and my character. You know, I got to do these things to get approval. Whose voice are you letting in? I'm going to tell you this. Whatever voice is influencing you at any given point in life, all of life is about hearing voices. Not hearing, you know, voices like a paranoid schizophrenic, but all of life is about hearing voices. Every moment of your day, every decision you make is guided by a voice. Whose voice are you letting in to guide you? What word are you taking in to lead you? Because most of us let a lot of voices go deep. That's why we feel miserable most of the time. Jesus says, you want a path to freedom? You want a path of joy? You want to experience the richness of what it means to be a child of God? You want approval, not just the approval of one person, because that's going to be so insufficient. You know why? Because they're flawed people. So even if you get it, it's a flawed acceptance. He says, do you want the only kind of acceptance that's going to last in your life, that's going to endure, that's going to give you the courage to just endure any kind of suffering? He says, look at me on the cross. Suffering, I endured. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember that. Remember that the next time you feel, you know, there's a hardness of heart. Remember that the next time, you know, the gospel just hasn't penetrated deeper and you feel like, you feel like you're just being tormented by your troubles, you know, and you forget the gospel. Remember the next time other voices have crept in and completely choked out the gospel. And as a result, you know, any go- anything that chokes out the gospel is something, the only reason why you're going to believe something and live alongside something, every one of us has faith in something, we have faith in things that we believe are news, good news in our lives. You know, if I, hey, if I just do this, that means I'm going to have freedom in life? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go do that. But you're going to find readily that, those, that life becomes filled with anxiety. That's how you know. Listen to the tender voice of God. Listen to the gentle and patient 
and loving and kind and restoring and gracious voice of Jesus who says that you right now are working to earn your treasure, but I am the only treasure that you can behold that works for you. Every one of us here will be willing to die for the thing we treasure most. Jesus says, I'm the only treasure that if you take me in, I will die for you. Will you take him in? Do you hear him? Let's pray.